Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Podcast Manager Show. Today, you get to hear from Courtney Elmer, who is a founder and CEO of The Effortless Life. She's also a podcast host and speaker. And we are talking about how you can help your client create an addictive listener experience. And wow, this episode was so good. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to it because Courtney just has a way of connecting with you as you talk to her, as you listen to her. And that is actually the topic (laughs) that we are talking about is really your client being able to connect with their listener. And I think you're going to be able to take away so many great nuggets of things to share with your clients so that when they ask you, hey, do you have any tips on how we can grow the show? You can speak to that in an educated way. So without further ado, let's go talk to Courtney. Hey there, I'm Lauren, and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Courtney, it is so great to have you here today. Lauren, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, we are going to talk about how to really create an amazing, addictive listener experience. You know, our our clients would be creating that for their listener, uh, but how us as podcast managers can help support our clients in that way. But before we get into content and, you know, great podcast, before we get into that conversation, I would love to know how you got started working online. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting, Lauren, because first of all, even though I always dreamed of having my own business one day, you know, from time I was a young girl, I always envisioned some kind of brick and mortar thing. I never envisioned, you know, coaching space, online space, podcasting space, none of that. And right out of college, I started working nine to five you know, like most of us do, we go that traditional path, we graduate, we get a job, we work as hard as we can, we climb that ladder. And that was my life for the first few years out of college. And I was doing pretty well. I had a nice car and I had, you know, some authority at work and I was climbing the ladder and all the things that we measure success, you know, based on the world standards. I had those things. Then I just met the love of my life and we were planning our wedding and it was a couple of weeks before the wedding. And out of the blue, I just got this really bad sinus infection. It put me in bed for a couple of days and just feeling crummy. And my mom was like, Courtney, just go to the doctor, let him check you out, you know, make sure everything's good, get an antibiotic if you need it. You know, that way you're good for your wedding. I'm like, okay, good advice, mom. So <laughs> went to the doctor and he's like, Yeah, let's just run some tests, make sure everything's good. You know, you haven't had to work up in a while. We'll just make sure everything looks all right. He said, Come see me after your honeymoon. We'll get a follow-up on the books and I'll see you then. Great. So had the wedding, had the honeymoon, came back. And two days after our honeymoon, I'm sitting in the doctor's office for that follow-up visit. And he walks in that day and he kind of had this strange vibe. I mean, he wasn't a man of many words to begin with, but I just kind of picked up a little something seemed to miss. And he sits down and he looks at me and he's like, Courtney, so we got those test results back. And really this falls beyond the scope of my expertise. So I'm going to turn your case over to another doctor Mm. in our clinic who handles this sort of thing. And immediately, like my heart's beating and I'm just like, what is going on? And my husband was still off of work at the time. He's like sitting there gripping my hand, you know, like, what is this about? Sure enough, there's a knock at the door. This new doctor walks in and she sits down and she looks at me and she says, Courtney, I'm just going to cut to the chase. She said, you have thyroid cancer. 
And she said, you are the youngest patient that I have ever had to diagnose with this. And I was 25 at the time. And she said, the good news is thyroid cancer is pretty treatable. She said, but the bad news is you've got this aggressive mutation. It's pretty rare. We don't see it often. We need to operate. We need to remove your thyroid. And I've cleared a spot for you on my surgery schedule next Monday. Mm-hmm. Oh my next goodness. Monday was less than a week away. So I went from newlywed to honeymoon to checking the box, you know, in sickness and in health. Okay. And like, that was just, our life just became this whirlwind of treatment and surgery and radiation and, you know, rest and recovery and just hormone trying to balance all of that, you know, following this. And for the first time in my life, Lauren, I had to stop. I was forced to stop and just think and examine the path I was on. Mm Mm-hmm. Had I not gotten that diagnosis when I did, I probably would have never stopped, never made some of the changes that I made in my life. And I knew in that moment that the path that I was on wasn't the path I wanted to be on. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure what other path there was to be on, but I just knew that there was more for me. So after treatment and recovery, I wish I could say that that's when it all changed and I started my business. But it wasn't because I was afraid. I was so afraid to just get out there, do something of my own that I'd never done before. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to corporate and for the next couple of years, continued working just in my comfort zone, miserable, but just this tug of war within was always there. So finally, a couple of years after that, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I have got to just utilize the gifts that I feel like I have that I'm not doing anything with. And so that's when I decided to open the doors to my online business. And that was in 2017. And here, almost seven years later, I never in a million years saw myself teaching podcasting. But you know, I love looking back at our lives. And a lot of what I talk about and teach about is on this idea of anti-fragility and how we grow through the adversity in our life. And I like to see how the dots connect. And from a really young age, I had always been told, you know, Courtney, your mouth is what gets you into trouble. <laughs> I was sassy and I was bossy and I was opinionated, you know, and my mom was trying to teach me how to be respectful, right? How to talk to people. And I see that now. But at the time, I internalized that message mm. and I fell into classic people pleasing behavior, trying to bend myself to fit what the world wanted from me, silencing my voice and letting it just take shape, letting others take my voice from me. So when I got this diagnosis, it was not the fear of surgery or being put to sleep or the possible risk of infertility that could happen. But the thing that scared me the most was the risk that my vocal cords could be severed during Mm -hmm. surgery. Mm -hmm. And so when I remember waking up, my doctor was there standing over my bed and she's like, Courtney, can you say my name? And it wasn't to see if I had like fully come out of anesthesia, if I remembered her, it was to see if I could speak. And so from that moment on, I knew I needed to use my voice in a powerful way. And so the process of reclaiming my voice has been many years in the making. I think it's a lifelong journey, but I can't see myself doing anything differently now because I know that not only was I given a second chance and the ability to really take full ownership of my voice and step into you know the full expression of who I'm meant to be. But to be able to help other people, especially entrepreneurs who are impact-driven, who are heart-centered, be able to do the same and to create positive change in the world 
you know, with podcasting, I can't think of a, of a better vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And like, just like you said, it's, it's such a good vehicle to get people's powerful stories and powerful opinions and just all of that out into the world. And one of the things that I that drives me is that, you know, we can't do it alone. And people have these incredible messages that, that they want to get out. But, you know, it is a lot to to just for them to even step in front of the mic, let alone, um, you know, do the back end work and not and not be drowning in work each week. Yes. And I mean, thank God for podcast managers. I knew when I started my podcast, I wasn't looking at it as a tool for marketing or traffic or sales or anything. I just want a deeper connection with my audience in a way that I wasn't getting on social media. Mm -hmm. And as at the time, I was a new mom. My son was about a year or so old, maybe 18 months, somewhere in that window. And he was home with me full time. So I was working in the nooks and crannies of the day. And I knew that if I was to do this, I was going to need help. I needed someone behind the scenes who could help me with those details, even though I'm naturally inclined to be organized and I love processes and I love streamlining things. Mm -hmm. I knew that I couldn't do it alone. And so the work that you do and all that are listening right now, the work that you do to help people get their message into the world, you are part and parcel of that. They would not be able to do that without you. And I just want you to understand how important your work really is. Mm. So you're helping to facilitate that change. Yeah, yeah. Now, a lot about what you talk about is based in psychology. So where has that, where does that come from maybe? And how does that fit in what you do? Yes. So I started pursuing my master's in psychology. This was around the time of launching my business and also becoming a mom. And I did put that to the side temporarily because I'm like, wait a second, I got to focus on the mom thing here, you know, the business thing. Mm -hmm. But it is something I will return to and, and pursue and finish. But beyond that, you know, all of my coaching training is rooted in psychology science-based approaches to how our brain works, how to change human behavior, how our language affects our actions, our behavior, right? The thoughts we think about ourselves. And that journey has been a seven plus year journey for me, actually probably closer to 10 years at this point, not only being the, the patient, so to speak, you know, and going through and doing a lot of that work myself through the years, but in also coaching others to be able to facilitate that change. And it's interesting because I talked to a lot of therapists. I was talking to one just last week and she said, you know, I feel like the, the world of therapy itself has changed so much. And what we know to be true about, you know, humans and being able to help them, she said, you know, the whole industry is very, a lot of red tape and you can't really facilitate as deep of transformation as you might be able to do otherwise. So she's actually left therapy altogether. She now helps other therapists become coaches because mm-hmm. she understands like, It's not just about having some kind of clinical degree or some kind of clinical title right behind your name or license. Certainly, if you're doing work, yeah, you need to be licensed, you know, in that field. But being able to change human behavior, really, we we all are experts in psychology. We don't, we might not realize it, but because of the way that we're wired, when you can begin to understand how your thoughts influence your behavior, which dictates your actions, which will bring about the results that you get, whether it's a result you want or not. Mm -hmm. then we can really begin to facilitate change on a very deep level. So having studied this for so long, you know, I apply a lot of this into my work where when I first opened my practice, it was all about that facilitating deep transformation and life coaching and all of these things to help people get better results in their life. And now being able to apply that to a very specific field has been fascinating because Mm -hmm. 
think about your listeners, you know, for the people that you are working with who are out there hosting their podcasts, there's people listening to those podcasts and those listeners, everything that influences their decision to click play or not is driven by an unconscious decision. It's happening unconsciously. You know, they're not sitting there logically scrolling their phone going, oh my gosh, this is a really compelling episode title. Let me click play, right? It just speaks to them unconsciously and they're either going to click play or not. Mm-hmm. And so when we can begin to understand and then help our clients understand how human psychology influences behavior, then we can start to use that to our advantage to be able to drive the results that we want, whether that's to increase downloads, increase clicks, increase listen consumption time, and all of these things. So I love blending these fields together for that reason, because no longer is it just about you know how to structure an episode and how to get your content out there. But it's really about how can we create an experience for our listener that's addictive, that they want to come back to, that they enjoy, that they feel seen, that they feel like they're a part of. And that is all done through human psychology. Yeah. And it seems like that's really the difference between maybe someone, a podcaster who gets on and just kind of shares their story, but it lacks the connection to the listener. And it just kind of feels like a monologue, maybe even if it's a good story, right? Uh, versus someone who also has a great story, but just really is able to connect and how different that is for the listener, for the host, and for the future of the podcast. I know, you know, working with clients that you really believe in their story, but maybe it's just not quite connecting through the podcast. I can really see how this could really help them to, to make the impact that they want. Yeah, that's such a great example too, because you're right. A lot of hosts will host their podcasts and they just start rambling on about things. And suddenly you're like, how does this apply to me? Mm-hmm. Right. And you kind of just mentally check out and you may just not listen to the rest of that episode. You may go find something else to listen to. And so we have to keep our listener in the forefront of our mind when planning all of our content. And when you can teach your clients to do this, you are going to help them succeed. Their growth, it, it's one of those invisible elements of growth. It's different than saying, oh, go market your podcast, you know, with SEO or anything like that but it's an invisible element that will Mm. contribute to growth over time. And so I was explaining this to one of our clients the other day. She said, you know what? We're revising this description right now. We're revising her intro for her podcast. She's rebranding a little bit. And she was like, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of me is missing in the description. Whereas prior, you know, she was talking a lot about herself and her expertise and how she's able to help do all of these things to help people. And I'm like, yeah, at this point in the journey, though, your listener doesn't care about you Mm -hmm. enough yet right? They will once they get to know you. But at this point, they're only in that, you know, they're tuned into that radio station. We've heard this in marketing all the time, right? What's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And WWIFM, right? It's like, that is what they're thinking. At every point in the journey, they're asking, is this relevant for me? It's an unconscious question. Mm-hmm. But when you're telling a story, and this is why this is such a good example. When I tell a story on my podcast, for example, and you can teach your clients how to do this too, you have to relate it back to the listener. And just simply by asking yourself, why is this relevant to my listener? Mm -hmm. And then you can begin to make those connection points and weave that into your story. Or suddenly it's not a five or 10 minute monologue about what happened to you and why this is so, you know, meaningful for you. But suddenly it's meaningful for your listener because you understand on an intimate level the problems that they're experiencing in their life right now. And then you can use story to bring those problems to life. Mm. And then they feel connected to you. You've got their attention. They feel heard. They feel that you see them and they see themselves in your story. 
And then they'll be receptive to whatever it is that you're teaching them beyond that point. Mm. So it's subtle. It's a very subtle tweak, but it's a very powerful one when you can begin to look at everything you do with your podcast. You know, you can help your clients to see this. What is in it for your listener? Why should they keep listening? Why should they care? And it might sound harsh, but we have to ask ourselves these questions because it's the truth. Your listener does not care about you as much as they care about getting their problems solved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we just we're taking in so much information, whether we're in our podcast app or on social media or what that is not does not apply to us. So we're scrolling through things that are, oh, no, you know, I don't I don't care because I don't you know, it's not doesn't apply to me. So, you know, we, we have to file and sort all of those, you know, things that are coming into um, our brain each day. So yeah, it's just a, it's not like a, is this a good podcast or a bad podcast? It's, is this for me or is it for somebody else? Right, exactly. You know how when you're scrolling your Instagram feed and you see an ad and you're like, what is this? Why is this coming? You know, did I have a conversation with someone recently, you know, and they're listening now that's like showing this thing on my screen, but it's not relevant for you. How many times have you actually gone in and clicked hide ad, right? Report mm-hmm. this ad, like stop showing me this information. This is not relevant. And it's the same thing, but it's a, it's a totally unconscious process. Mm-hmm. And this is why, and I want to emphasize this here too, when you can help your clients get extremely clear, not just on who their listener is demographically. I'm not talking about, oh, they're a woman, they're 35 years old, right? They're an online business coach. Not that. I'm talking about psychographically. What are the problems that keep her up at night, right? Teach your clients to do this for their listeners. What are her deepest desires that she has not been able to realize in her life yet? What are the things that are holding her back from getting those results that she wants? Are they thoughts running through her head? If so, what is she thinking? Is she thinking she's not capable? Is she thinking she can't do this? Is she thinking she doesn't have enough time, right? Is she not enough of an expert yet? What are those limiting beliefs holding her back? Mm-hmm. And then what is her motivation to do the work that she's here to do? And when you can get super clear on your listener from that perspective, then you're able to create those connections within all of the content you create, even I mean, down to your episode titles to get someone to click play. You can phrase those. I mean, there's a difference between saying how to increase engagement versus three content mistakes you might be making that are costing you clients. Mm-hmm. And it's which one are you going to be more likely to listen to, right? And we can begin to tap into those very specific problems that the listener has. Well, then your client, the host is going to see more results and you will help facilitate those results just by teaching them some simple principles that most podcast hosts go into podcasting with no idea, right? They go in because they have a message to share. It's kind of selfish in the sense that it's more egocentric. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I want to get this message out there. I want to reach a wider audience. I want to have all the followers and be a thought leader. And that's all good and fine. But you're not going to have the followers. You're not going to be a thought leader. You're not going to be able to reach a wider audience if you're not first connecting with your listener. Yeah. Or they, they might also be starting their podcast as strictly like a marketing mechanism. And so then, you know, they don't quite know how to blend in that storytelling, blend in, you know, their stories, their personality with it. Uh, And so then they get lost with kind of just like too much tangible, do A, B, and C. Okay, done. And that also does not quite connect with people because, you know, you're just, they're just kind of like, I don't know if I need more information. I need to be, you know, persuaded. I don't necessarily just need more info. 
Totally. And what's so fascinating and ironic about that is that, you know, for the people who do get into it just as a marketing strategy, it can be a very powerful tool, but the powerful, the power comes in through the connection because we know that connection is what deepens the relationship, which builds trust. And trust is the foundation of any sales that are going to come from that relationship. You know, someone has to trust you first. It's not just about knowing you and liking you. Yeah, those things are important, but it's the trust piece. And without that, and if that's lacking, that connection is the bridge, you know, that builds that trust in the relationship. And if you don't have that, well, then guess what? The marketing tool that you're creating is not going to be effective, at least not as effective as it could be. And you'll probably reach a point where you're like, oh, wait a second, why am I even doing this, right? And maybe you've had clients that have reached that point too. I mean, this this frustrates a lot of podcast hosts where they're not seeing the results coming through. You know, there's all these big question marks about how do I grow and how do I reach a wider audience? But really, it starts with with the connection. Mm, So well said. Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more, learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. And some of what we talk about um, here on the the show and then in my program is, you know, going to, if, if your client has a small audience or, or whatever size, but they really want to grow it, that they should go to the current audience they have and see what, why do they listen? Why do they come back? And, and then, you know, then you'll, you're getting answers to some of these questions that you've brought up. But what are some other ways that, you know, your, the client could look into what's connecting, what's not connecting and kind of how to improve in this way? You know, one of the ways that I love to look at seeing this connection at work is in Apple Podcasts Connect in the analytics section mm-hmm. and looking at listener consumption rates. And this is a little piece of data that a lot of people don't look at. A lot of people are looking at seven-day downloads, weekly downloads, cumulative downloads, right? These download numbers, these listens. And those are important too to track your weekly progress. But the number that I love the most is the listen consumption rate. Now, you can't usually get this in your podcast host player because you know the, the hosting provider is distributing that information on all of these various players. And not all of those players provide that data. But if you log into Apple Podcasts Connect, navigate to your podcast, episodes, analytics, you'll be able to see that. And you'll see a percentage of how long people are listening to 
the episodes. Mm-hmm. And with that information, you can run some averages and you could say, okay, for the past 10 episodes, my total average time was about 30 minutes in length, episode length. Mm-hmm. And then the average listener consumption rate was 61%. And then you could do a little math and say, okay, if someone's listening to 61% of a 30 minute episode, how many minutes is that? About 18 minutes. So then that's a simple thing right there is to say, okay, let's shorten the episodes. Let's cut down some time, either create more episodes that are shorter and start breaking out longer things into two and three part series, or just try to keep them really short and tight because that will help increase listener consumption rates, mm-hmm. right? And you can use that information too, the same, the same metric, that listener consumption rate to see which of your episode topics are most popular. And that can give you a little clue into this connection piece, right? Did, did they only listen to 40% of the episode? Well, what happened there, mm-hmm. right? Was it either not a topic that was very popular or maybe didn't resonate as much? Doesn't mean you can't talk about it again. You can always bring that up again and retitle it, right? And see if it hits better. But you can see where if someone dropped off 40% of the episode, they didn't even get halfway through. Clearly something fell through on the connection piece there. And then we can begin to take that information and look at various aspects of the podcast itself. Was it something in the structure? You know, did we throw a a long sponsor mid-roll in there somewhere and we just lost people, you know, or were we rambling on too long about something and and maybe just lost their interest? So then we can begin to get a little more granular with it. But that's a really helpful metric that, you know, you can coach your clients to, to look at. You could track that for them, give it to them on a monthly basis and be like, hey, your average listener consumption rate is this. We noticed your most popular episodes were these three. Let's see what other content we can create around these topics and maybe shorten or lengthen the episode, right? If everyone's listened to 100% of the episode, well, that's great. Maybe maybe see, test a little longer episodes, you know, see if they're wanting more from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can begin to fine tune and optimize your podcast that way. And it's these little tweaks over time that will bring about the biggest results. The thing with podcasting is that it's not about going out there and just getting, you know, some massive numbers. But those massive numbers are going to come with the little bitty tweaks that then continue to help optimize a show over the long term. And that's really important for people to understand, too. Yeah. Yeah. So good. It really is growing one person at a time. You know, you you know, when when one person finds value in it, then there's, you know, however many more people like them. So when you can tap into that, then, you know, you can really grow. Now, one of the things that you said made me think about how people, when you talk to the listeners directly, let's say, they might say that A, B, and C is important to them. But then what you find out through the stats is, you know, like you said, unconsciously, they're really interested in these other things too. Like I think a good example of this is money. People don't always come out and say, hey, I want to learn how to make more money or making more money is important to me because there's, you know, belief and maybe you know, that's greedy or whatever. But then you title an episode with some sort of money title and they immediately, you know, they they listen to that one because they are interested in it. Have you found that to be true that there's kind of those hidden interests that you find through stats? Yes. And this is why I prefer looking at the stats and the data to make data-driven decisions versus surveying an audience. Because exactly what you said, your audience is going to say one thing. But when Henry Ford asked people, you know, what they, if they, you know, whatever, however that saying goes, the story, I can't remember it exactly, right? But the answer was like, well, we just want faster horses. Like yes. they never envisioned a car. Like they never knew that could become the vehicle it was something that they had never even conceived before. 
So a lot of times, you know, our listeners are not our uh, most reliable witnesses. You know, when we ask them questions, they might give you information, but it might not be the right information. And so the data does tell you, though. And what's fascinating about even just this topic of money, we talk about a variety of things on my podcast, all within, you know, the business space, the entrepreneurial space. And we had an episode recently that was a really good episode. I loved this guest. It was very valuable content. And it was on, you know, when you reach a pivot point in your business and you're kind of at a fork in the road, how do we navigate these decisions? Well, when I went and looked at the data, I was pretty surprised to find that that episode didn't have the highest listen consumption rate. I think it was like 48% or 52%. So people didn't even get all the way through that episode. And I was pretty shocked because I was like, this is this is a very relevant topic for me. Like I, you know, there's a lot of moments in business we're faced with these forks in the road and these big decisions. Why didn't that resonate as much? Then we had another episode that had over 70% consumption rate. And it was how to start charging what you're worth. Mm, mm-hmm. And it was just a totally different topic, right? All both within the entrepreneurial space, but it was clear to me which one my listeners resonated with, even though I thought they would resonate with something else. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when you can begin to understand how the data is working, you can utilize that. You don't have to use every little analytic, right? That these dashboards give you, but some of these key metrics can really help you determine, you know, what content you should be putting out there, how that content is resonating and that can drive the growth of your show long-term. Yeah. Now, do you find that it really is a you know, constantly kind of testing things like you, you, you know, your clients try put out four episodes that month. And then you look at the stats and you say, okay, this is kind of what we can learn. Here's some trends that I, that I recognize. And then you, you know, you try for four more. Is it, is that kind of how you approach this? Yeah, more or less, you know, there's no cut and dry process mm-hmm. for this. To be honest, when you get to the long-term growth phase of growing a podcast, it is a lot of testing. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of testing and it's looking at the data to see what's working and doing more of that while also leaving some room for experimentation. And I like to look at things, you know, on a monthly basis is a good time to look at things just to start to see emerging trends, but you can't really pinpoint a trend until about 90 days or more, Mm -hmm. you know, six months even to see that these topics are consistently hitting or these topics are not. You know, and then you can kind of look to see like, what are your core content pillars? What's emerging there that your listeners really seem to resonate with? And then how can I create more content around these topics Mm -hmm. or bring more guests in to speak around these topics? And it doesn't mean you have to fully abandon, you know, your experimental content, unless it totally bombed, maybe you would leave those Mm -hmm. aside. But, you know, if you've got some experimental content in there and it was something that you as the host or your client is really passionate about, then that is also valuable because guess what? If you're passionate about it, then that's a that's an open door for connection right there. Maybe not 100% of your listeners will resonate with it, but maybe there are some things you could do to repackage that content or you know tap into that listener's psychology to share those types of topics in a way that resonates more with them and then test it again and test it out with a different a different title. And I'll mention this too with titles, you know, we, we've done a lot of A-B testing with this and we've seen that titles that focus on problems more than desires outperform solution-based titles. So problem-focused titles usually outperform. You want to have a balance. It doesn't mean every title has to be like heavy hitting on these problems that, you know, the listener yeah. has, 
but those are the ones that tend to perform better. You know, start charging what you're worth is kind of positively framed, but it's hitting on a pain point, right? It's hitting on a pain point for those listeners who feel like they're not charging what they're worth right now and they don't know how to. They don't know how to begin mm-hmm. doing that, right? That's just one example. So that's another easy thing that you can help your hosts learn how to do is simply retitling and repackaging some of their content to increase those listens. Because this is another thing to realize. A lot of hosts tend to focus on wanting to get new listeners, more listeners, and that's great. But if you aren't able to keep your existing listeners coming back and listening to all your episodes, that will also impact your Mm -hmm. downloads and your growth over time. So we have to remember that, you know, a title is very, very important because when an existing listener who follows the show sees that pop up on their phone and they're like, oh, new episode by such and such podcast, here's a title, they're going to decide unconsciously right then and there if it's worth their time to listen. And if it's not, then you lose them, right? And and same with an, a new listener who's scrolling through your content to see if it's relevant for them. The title is going to be what, what grabs mm-hmm. them and what gets them to click play or not. So that's that's one small little area that can bring about pretty big change when you can really just dial that in. And that's what long-term growth is about. It's the tweaking, the testing, the little micro adjustments of the dials that will lead to bigger results down mm-hmm. the road. Now, when we talk about long-term growth, one thing that comes to my mind is how you can dial, you can really learn so much about the audience and and dial that in. But then sometimes the host either kind of lose steam or what they want to talk about is like they kind of want to go off on this rabbit hole perhaps but you're like well this is clearly why people come and listen to you is they love you know all of this or even like the client goes through a season of of just burnout or you know they have a baby and they withdraw a little bit or whatever it may be how do you balance that of kind of like the desires of the client in the client's own whimsies versus what is kind of very clear that the why the show does well? This is such a good question. I think it's a little bit of both because your listeners are going to, the listeners who are listening to your host are either going to connect with that host or not based on the energy of the host. So if the host is going through a difficult season, burnout, new baby, you know, just kind of a a general, I'm checked out of this right now, but I'm doing it because I need to be consistent mm-hmm. kind of season in their business, then your listeners are going to feel that energy. However, those are the moments to stick with it. Even if things don't feel fully dialed in, you know, the worst thing your host could do at that point is just stop because then your listeners will go find someone else to listen to and your host can risk losing all that they've worked to build. But that said, you know, I think we have to strike a balance between what the data is telling us and what you or the host feels most passionate about, right? So if you're working with a host and they're really passionate about a topic, that's likely something that's in their thought leadership wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons they're probably hosting a podcast is to be seen as a thought leader. So if they're not sharing those thoughts or those things that are important to them, well, then guess what? They're going to fall into a content mm-hmm. rut. Just because yeah, they're sitting there focusing on just the data, what the data is mm-hmm. telling. So got to have a little bit of both. You know, as I look at my data, I can see, okay, these topics are really valuable for my listener. I don't love those topics as much, but maybe it's not something I have to talk about. Maybe it's something I could bring another guest on to talk about from a different angle and still provide the listeners with that content. 
while also exploring topics that are important to me. I think also too, what can be helpful for you to do is really just sit down with your client and get clear on why they started. And maybe you do this, but maybe you did this in the beginning of working with them, but at some points in the journey, it's nice to revisit this. Because when the host gets into that rut, then sometimes they're disconnected from their why, from their deeper Mm -hmm. purpose. And if you can guide them to get reconnected with that, you're going to see the data will start to reflect that. It's interesting how that works. So I think we have to just take take the data with a grain of salt and also take, you know, our thought leadership stuff with a grain of salt as well, where it's like, you know, if your host only wants to talk about all of these topics that all are kind of off base and not really in, in line with the podcast, well, you might experience some, you know, dips in data from there and the data might clearly reflect that. Other times you might be surprised by what the data reveals and maybe that opens a door for you that you didn't see before that you can explore. Mm-hmm. So I think take it all into consideration and just remind your host of why they started. It's really important to help them get clear on that. And also, because in these moments, you can remind them of that and be like, look, I know you're going through a tough season right now, but let's get back to the reason why you're doing this. And just for me as a podcast host, I can say, quite honestly, in those dark times in my business, connecting with my listener was the thing that pulled me through because that is my why. That is why I do my podcast. and. There were days where I didn't want to record stuff, but I sat there and I thought about my listener. I thought about what they would need and what what might be beneficial for them to hear about my own journey through this dark or unexpected season in my yeah. life and just seek to connect that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, totally. And I, I love that you say, like, go back to the why with them if you need to, if that if that happens, because yeah, it's like if you once the client has a podcast for over a year or, you know, whatever, whatever time frame, their why might change, might change. Uh, they might have launched their podcast to, yeah, become a thought leader. And then they they kind of step into that. And then they don't really realize it, but they're like, their brain's like, now what? And they have to kind of refocus on, okay, now what are we accomplishing? Because just strictly saying, we just want to grow listeners every month. That's not very inspiring, right? <laughs> it's like, yes, you want to grow, right. but that's not all of why we're in this, most podcasters. So yeah, just kind of, you know, maybe you do need to at times, you know, have your your client sit down and say, okay, maybe just what's the vision for the show in this this new year or this, you know, this new season or whatnot. Yes, because then when they get excited about the vision, that's going to come mm-hmm. through in their voice, it's going to come through in all of their content. And then their listeners are going to engage with that and they'll be feel connected to that. And then it's going to reflect in the data. And I think that's another interesting thing to consider as well. You know, whenever your host is in kind of a slump or whenever they are just so focused on listeners, 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 is to remind them why, you know, if you're doing this for impact, then any listener growth we experience is actually a measurable, tangible thing that we can measure your impact with. So, you know, when you're looking at the data and you're like, okay, this is what the data is telling us then how can we just enhance the vision of the show and utilize this to propel the vision of the show forward so that you can create the greater impact that you want to make and also get the win of us seeing those numbers increase. And it's it's a dance. It's a dance that happens. you know. And I think this is for a lot of people who get into business, who get into podcasting. We never really thought we'd have to learn as much as we've had to learn about these things, right? About marketing, you know, human behavior and all of these things, data and analytics and 
how all of this works. But when we can just kind of surrender to that process, I used to resist the data for the longest time. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But I think when we can surrender to the process and recognize that it is going to always be evolving. And that's a good thing because that means that you're evolving and you're growing both you as the podcast manager and your host as the host of their show. And I think that that's something to be celebrated. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I love this idea that, you know, you're you're going to bring these stats and these numbers to your client, but you're going to bring also, you know, the impact that these stats have. So it's not just numbers. It's also the, you know, the people behind the numbers. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I love that you know, how, how powerful that will be for your, your client, the host. Absolutely. And it's something that your host will thank you for because, you know, I would imagine, and, and just speaking from the standpoint of being a podcast host, I couldn't do this without my team behind me. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful for the people who helped me get my show into the world because that helps me create the impact I want to create. That helps me get my thought leadership out there, right? And connect with people who need to hear it. And so it really is a relationship. It's a long-term relationship that, yeah, even though you might be behind the scenes, you know, it's something that your host couldn't do without you. And I'll be very grateful to you for bringing these things to light for them, both helping them look at the data, maybe through a new lens, and also reminding them of why they started and helping them get clearer on their vision. You know, because as a business owner, I mean, we all know sometimes we're too close to what we do yes. to actually step back and see what we want. But when you can be that mirror for someone, oh, there's just so much value, you know, not just in the work that you're doing, but in that relationship and in, you know, the value of what that relationship can provide to your clients. Yes, so true. So true. Courtney, this has been so good and just just amazing to hear. Honestly, I think some of us listening are going to like, this is the first time that they've really heard some of these ideas and others. It's like, oh, it's such, it's so good to be reminded of just this impact that we have on our clients and the impact that our clients have on the listeners. And oh, it just makes this so meaningful. So I really appreciate that. Now, I know that you have a workshop and I would love for you to share that with us. Absolutely. And Lauren, this has been so much fun. I love talking about this stuff and I hope that it has been valuable for those listening And this is why we host these workshops. I host these once a month, if not more frequently, it kind of depends on our calendar, but usually once a month at a minimum, we always have one going on. And in that workshop, we walk you through our process for helping to launch a top 100 podcast. And what does that actually look like? So as a podcast manager, this would be very worthwhile for you to attend just to pick up some golden nuggets on how you can help further the whole listener psychology thing we're talking about and help your clients dig deeper into that. Also, launch strategy. And what's the difference between launching a podcast versus just hitting publish? And how can you get them better results out the gate? And then, of course, long-term growth. We talk about that as well. And on this workshop, there's no pitch. This is totally free. This is just something that we do because it's something that I love to teach. And this is the exact method that we've worked with dozens and dozens of coaches and consultants to help them launch a top 100 show. So you can get the information for that workshop at antifragileentrepreneurship.co.co forward slash workshop. And we'll always have the latest and most up-to-date workshop information there. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll make sure that we include that link in the show notes so people can just click over there, make it easy for them. 
And yes, I love that that opportunity for them to be able to learn some launch strategy. I know that's you know on on their mind and they want to be able to excel at for their clients. So again, thank you so much, Courtney. It has been so great to have you. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.